legendary. How are we? How you doing? GM, I'm I'm doing excellent. I'm back from my vacation, back from one week um, of of traveling in Spain, and I'm I'm doing fine. How are you? Really good. I will. I really wanted to make sure this time someone gave me some feedback. I know we got some feedback last week that it was mostly good, but someone told me that I took six seconds after the podcast started to actually start speaking. So I wanted to. The first thing I wanted to say was just make sure that I spoke immediately as the countdown finished, and I think I achieved that. So I'm pretty happy. <laughs> That's pretty good. How how did you feel about the feedback that we got after our first episode? Yeah, it was good. It was good, man. Like, I think people uh, people really liked it. They thought it was it was a uh, kind of a nice, relaxed conversation. Um, yeah, it was pretty good feedback, right? What What did people tell you? Yeah, I'm 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 pretty pretty excited as well. Um, you know, re having people reaching out to me and saying that they really like the format of us, the two of us, casually chatting and and covering um, important stuff that's going on in the space. On the one hand, and you know, people actually uh, uh, caring about the podcast because it is rather long, you know, almost uh, an hour long, and was pretty motivating to get all all that feedback and of course there's a couple of things we you know it's a learning process that we'll be working on improving the audio quality and and stuff like that but it's i don't know i was i was very very grateful very humbled to get all all the feedback we got yeah me too and it's cool to have to suddenly realize that people are listening in all different places so obviously i got some uh, feedback from people here in london and you were sending me the feedback in German from people in well were they in Germany or Austria both Germany and Austria actually in Germany and Austria then I also had some people reach out from America and then also it was cool that it's not just necessarily the the audio conversation we're getting feedback on but also you know the way we sliced up the clips and yeah. how the video sort of moves with the audio and um, people quite liked that as well and people were asking how I was doing it um, and I said with a lot of difficulty after all the, the technical <laughs> issues in the first one, um, because I think the, I think the first episode took about realistic, genuinely 24 hours to do because of all the issues we had. And then the second one took um, after recording, it, it took a morning, so like four or five. So it's a good improvement in terms of the post-production, which I'm pretty happy with. That's good. That's good to hear. Um, and it's it's gonna get better and faster, you know, as we move on and as we learn more. But I, I also like, you know, your because it was your idea to present the podcast like that with the clips. And uh, when I was it when I was in Spain, actually, you know, we rented out a car and we're um, driving uh, alongside the coast. And then my my girlfriend was like, "Hey, you did this podcast, right? Is it already on Spotify?" And I was like, "Yeah, it is." And she was like, "Can we fire it up in the car? I would like to listen to it." <laughs> I was like such a. I mean, she enjoyed listening to it. Of course, she did, um, because she's wonderful and supportive, and and she actually enjoyed the content. But she also cares about NFTs. But for me, it was like so weird, you know, to be in the um, in the car and listening to my own content. That felt kind of strange. <laughs> how uh, how long was the car journey? And did you really you listen to all of it? Um, we listened to about half of the podcast because then we arrived at our destination. But still. I know it. It is a pretty special feeling, you know, to be in the car and look at the display in front of you, and um, seeing the the podcast on the display and everything <laughs> displayed on on uh, Android car with uh, Spotify. It was pretty pretty cool to see. Yeah, that's really funny. Um, yeah, that's good. I I didn't need to listen to it separately because I think in the editing process, oh yeah, I heard all of us say everything about five hundred times. So. I think you know the first episode by heart by now, right? Yeah, probably, probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we were just going to start off by saying what we've been up to because we had a bit of a week off and some personal changes that we're both uh, going through, deciding on at the moment because obviously the space moves so fast all the time. Uh, two weeks is a long time not to, not to be in touch. So what were you up to in Spain? What was going on? It is, and you, you mentioned the most important um, thing. Uh, space moves so fast that sometimes I feel like I don't get the time that I need to, you know, 
step aside and just think and and reflect upon everything that's happening and reflect upon myself and what I wanted to do and, you know, where I'm headed at in this space, despite doing that full time, because I feel like, you know, (laughs) so not, not stuck is not the right word, but like, so going with the flow and trying to be on top of everything that I don't have that personal time to reflect. And it was quite a spontaneous decision to take the, the week off, um, you know, travel to Spain and, um, give myself the time to reflect and do something positive for my mental health and um, figuring out that I was like on focused on way too many projects, um, doing way too much stuff, despite my own trading that I'm, and that I'm still doing with NFTs, obviously, but being involved in too many projects. And I thought, you know, I wanted to have like one thing that I can focus on um, kind of, kind of a North star, right. Uh, in the, in the long run. And, with me thinking that the space is still so early, we have like, you know, a couple of, I know, 10,000, maybe 100,000 people that are really deep into NFTs and what's happening. Um, that This is actually, you know, the thing that I wanted to focus on, um, meaning creating content around it, educating on this space and all this information that I'm, you know, processing on a daily basis. Um, trying to getting the best out of it, the most relevant out of it and creating content around that and, you know, focusing more on, on the podcast creation with you on the media company with you and make that my, my top priority. Yeah, I think I completely sympathize with that feeling of running at a hundred miles an hour in this space. And like, there's just so many things that we're doing all the time. Because realistically, if you were to write our job description down, that it's just 10, 11, 12 diff- very distinct different roles. And we are kind of stuck in, not, again, you, say, you said the word stuck as well, but it's, we're not stuck because we're moving, but yeah. we're stuck in a state of constant perpetual movement. Um, and so you don't get a chance to think whether the things that you're moving towards are the most is the most useful opportunity for you to be moving towards so yeah i definitely definitely sympathize with that and sometimes it does take an amount of time to just walk away and reflect on like well are these tasks actually moving me towards the objective whatever that is um so i definitely i hear you on that um and i'm very glad that you think that this is a useful opportunity because i completely agree in that media is uh, firstly kind of lacking in in the space. Like there's lots of stuff that gets done on Twitter, but I don't know if there's a concerted effort to produce on a bigger scale Mm -hmm. through different mediums. So yes, there's podcasts. Yes, there's, I think there's more sort of podcasts and Twitter spaces, but just trying to up up the production and, up the regularity of the production and show consistency i think is a huge opportunity probably a decade-long opportunity because you know the nft collecting craze is something which you know we're the start of a of a of a trend which will last forever in a way yeah yeah i I would absolutely agree with this and you know the the issue that i've been having was the space uh, nfts have been so beneficial to me over the course of the last two and a half years right and i always felt like i wanted to build my own project build something in this space as well contribute to this space as well and this is why i got involved with a couple of projects and um because you know this is what builders do they have their own project they get in a project take it from there and build and what i didn't realize at that time was you know that all this um, content creation media creation etc is of course, building as well. It's it is another form of building, but it is building and creating, and it is highly satisfying to do that. But because I was involved with you know working on so much stuff, I didn't realize that, and um, didn't realize that you know it 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 feels very rewarding to do that actually. And um, this is why I was like because last episode I said you know, and and sorry if, if my you know train of thought because I'm still actively reflecting um, is not the most straightforward. Because last episode, I was like, it's so important to stay, you know, in to be involved with other projects yeah, and to look around what's happening um, on your left and on your right. Um, but 
what I learned was you don't have to be like highly, highly actively involved in every project that you're interested about. You cannot build obviously with, with every project that you think is interesting, but by stepping back and being, you know, the media creation part of it, you actually build with all those projects that you're talking about and, and contribute positively to the space. And this was, yeah, the, the most important learning for me, I would say, over the course of the last two weeks. Yeah, I think the thing about media, which people, there's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff being done on Twitter Spaces, which is great for community and getting people through the door. But the, the main thing which I think media is helpful for is to exist and to live and to be interacted with when you are unable to be that. Like we can post things and it then exists beyond us, right? Like we can be asleep and someone might be able to tune into a podcast or something from the other side of the world. And I think that's what's, what's missing in a way Um, to, to double down on the media where, you produce things that last and i know lots of people write awesome twitter threads this is one of the way I, ways i started as well i used to write long twitter threads on various things and it's great for engagement mm. and it gets people through the door gets to gets to know you but then that thread not only is it lost to everyone else it's lost to me like i've written a bunch of stuff and i wouldn't even know how to necessarily find it now because twitter is not good at indexing and uh, storing the various good things that you do so we need other forms of media to to exist and to showcase what we've done and i think if you're good in this space or if you've been if you're talented and if you've been successful one of the things i think is that well well, what do you have to show for that apart from the money in the bank account because that will be there but when you want to then show your expertise off to other people you're not going to send a screenshot of you know the amount of eth you have in your wallet I don't think you would anyway. And also you're not just going to be able to send a screenshot. Okay. I've got, I hold this NFT. I've got a Moonbird. I've got a board ape. I've got something you want to be able to point towards something of significance. Like, okay, here are these 25 articles I've written over the last few weeks, or here are these uh, 17 podcasts I've co-hosted on various interesting topics. Like I think that's what's meaningful. And that's actually what I'm finding is helpful when I'm getting work from other people i'm able to just send a screenshot or send the link to these to the, my my articles actually in particular at the moment and yeah. so people can actually see okay there's some substance behind all this stuff there's been some commitment whereas i think it's harder to demonstrate that and it's still not perfect for me to demonstrate it but this is the point of the media is to keep building up this online resume slash portfolio of content for people to engage with and see even when you yourself as an individual are not able to to be there physically and to deliver it yeah i i I couldn't couldn't agree more with with that take um besides that how how are your last two weeks what's what's new on your end yeah all good i'm i'm moving flat very soon this week which means that i I will finally be able to set up all this stuff because it's been a real pain having to deliver various things from different places all the time. So I'm really yeah. looking forward to getting set up properly and yeah, pumping out this, this quality or, you know, doing our best to, to, to produce more, uh, produce more quality stuff. So hopefully that will be slightly more convenient. Um, let's get into the NFT stuff, man. We've, uh, that's, uh, that's what we've been up to generally there's some huge stuff that's happened last couple weeks the main thing probably was the yuga land sale over the weekend what was your experience of it what's your take we haven't spoken about it at all yet even offline so how did did it go down for you what did you feel about it it was i mean obviously it was pretty intense um, especially from a european standpoint um, staying up until 3 a.m um seeing the gas war going down and um seeing you know all the content on twitter and all the different opinions and trying to get a feeling for what the community is also thinking and um all those smart threads like uh someone i don't remember the name unfortunately uh, made a thread pointing out that it was impossible for um all the deeds to sell out within half an hour 
because of the way the blockchain works and how many transactions you could fit in one single block and how that would then again translate to increasing gas costs and how accurately you would be able to predict the gas costs um, with you know how many people wanted to take part in the sale and how all those um, technical details and how all, all that works. It was fascinating to read that in such great detail, especially after you experienced it yourself. Um, it was one of my biggest gas wars. Uh, not the biggest, I think, but um, still one of the most uh, expensive mints reminded me of uh, 2021. Um, and I think the the thing that was, uh, and I tweeted about that, you know, that fascinated me the most was that the sales volume or the trading volume, to be more precise, in OpenSea surpassed Sandbox all-time trading volume after two days, roughly. And yeah, that's pretty crazy. That was that was just crazy to see, you know, how long Sandbox has been building and has um, shipped a functional um, beta and has, you know, allowed to see so much of what you can do in Sandbox and um, to then get a feeling, Yuga Labs, you know, being obviously earlier in the metaverse um, a game, but the the power that the brand already has and despite it being a very, you know, expensive um, sale in terms of gas fees and in terms of the ApeCoin valuation, if you bought Ape, you know, rather close to the sale, and then having all that traction in such a short amount of time um, was, I didn't expect it like to go that crazy on the secondary market to, you know, have a 150k yeah. ETH in like two days. Um, but this is also one. So I'm, uh, I'm looking at it right now. It's done 188,000 Another ETH. Yeah, then another 40,000 ETH more. Which is, um, I just did this calculation earlier. It's 563 million on the secondary market volume which is insane which really which really is absolutely insane, insane right yeah. i was actually i was speaking to because you know how we've been speaking about how one of the things i'm doing is speaking to uh lawyers in the city to ask if they would like some talks about yeah. you know what the stuff that we are very well versed in and the things that we're finding out in in this space and one of my friends is a real estate lawyer in the city at a big American firm. And I was explaining, I think I, I don't know if I sent him this tweet or whether I, whether I didn't, but I was explaining like the biggest land sale in digital history is happening this weekend. And I suspect no one in your legal team knows about it, which in a sense makes sense, right? Because yeah. people like, they do real real estate but at the same time it sh i i think it should be on people's radars that if you if you were a real estate lawyer now or if you were in real estate in general whatever your whether whatever sector you're in if you're in the real estate market it would surely be of interest to know that these deeds have just done half a billion in secondary market volume <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it was, you know, be interesting for a real estate agency to think about if they didn't want to have a digital branch, because if you look at all those different trades, artifacts, codas, um, tiers of lands and all the complexity and, you know, with very little information that is obviously known up front and you would have clients or someone who wanted to have um, an entry point into metaverses, have an entry point into the other side, um, it would be quite interesting to have a digital a real estate agency for that um but it also puts yeah, like definitely. a massive you know that sales volume puts a massive massive pressure on yuga labs like the expectations the hype in the community is so high and this is not only yuga labs this is like for all projects that have a certain status a certain amount of popularity their biggest danger their biggest danger is actually to deliver the product that they are promising to deliver because when it gets real and you have these expectations and then you start thinking about the real money that you put in to get that land and then you see the actual product this is the most the most critical moment um in a nft project in an nft company's journey when they release their actual product so 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, one of the greatest risks at the moment is actually delivering a product. And I think Cool Cats found that out quite uh, strongly when they tried to deliver on the game. And either it didn't, well, it definitely didn't work at first. I don't know if it's now functioning now, but the delivery was was very a very difficult uh, moment in the market for them. What did you think about, so you mentioned actual delivery of stuff. One of the questions I had, because I'm not super close to it, I don't, I'm not in the ecosystem. How much information is there out about this stuff? And is there sufficient information for people to even be trading this stuff? Like, what do the traits mean? Do, does the information exist or have that has that just not been provided? The information exists to a certain extent. A lot of it is speculation. A lot of it is, you know, putting together intelligent assumptions and using some of the hints that Yuga Labs have been dropping. But I think with the different, you know, rarities, with the different resources and with the scarcity of those resources, it will be obviously beneficial to having them on your land. Um, and if you if you start to dig deep into floors for different resources and trading structure, I think you can have a competitive advantage and have many many trading opportunities over the next couple of weeks or months because and this is something that you know people need to understand like if you look at timelines pfps move way faster than digital real estate than metaverses because this is an actual product that takes way more time to build way more time to be functional has way more complexity in terms of transactions that need to be processed every second every minute etc so you will have a longer amount of time where you can you know leading up to the reveal of the game where you can trade, where you can learn, get that information and find out what people are looking for and trying to make, you know, intelligent hypotheses and assumptions around that. And I think with, you know, studying the data and studying the information that's out there, there's enough to have a competitive advantage to um, make quite some smart purchases aside from, you know, just um, buying the coda floor, which is pretty, pretty damn expensive to do that. There's many mm. quote unquote cheaper plays on the um, cheaper lands to be done. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Like I, I'm, I'm personally not, I'm not a huge fan of not knowing things. I, I know, I know that the space often operates in a way which tries to limit the amount of information out, yeah. so that you know, so that decisions almost made with that i don't know in some ways maybe i think if you put something out with le less information do you think there's a there's a world in which some of these details haven't been ironed out yet and it's like depending on how people uh treat the different rarities and the different structures and whatever then utility can be provided in that way because i think it would be a bit of a disaster if people decided for example i think this is a pretty obvious one but it would be a bit of a disaster if people decided that the coda lands were worth more which they obviously are and then it turns out down the line that oh no it's actually just the same as the others right but there hasn't been utility information provided at this stage so in a way do you think people could sort of just put the information out there see how people behave and then amend the details later yeah this is this is a very good question this is a very you know tricky balance to find like seeing the communication around coda it is pretty clear that they are special it is pretty clear that they will play an important role and this also reflects in the current floor prices for land with coda but as for the different kinds of resources artifacts etc there is not that much information out there so if someone would really or something would really, really stand out in terms of trading behavior and then people would be massively disappointed, um, I don't think that that would happen, which then again is not a free pass, you know, to just follow any hypothesis <laughs> that you read and buy that stuff because someone says it's good. But I get the, you know, I get the need for what I also personally like having all information up front who doesn't. Um, I get the need for not doing that because, you know, as soon as something is absolutely clear and absolutely transparent and someone will have a bot someone will have a script for that and just execute on that and find the best arbitrage opportunities and um, follow them mm. so 
I think the yeah. you know real alpha for non um, uh, for non coding people, so to say, is in these murky fields where not all information are disclosed up front. Yeah, it's yeah, I agree. Um, do you think we'll we'll get regulated because of this? Like this huge, huge. I mean, I can't see how the lack of information from a legal perspective when I think about this stuff is just. It's really crazy. It's a crazy, crazy behavior. I mean, to be honest, I was I was reflecting on this a little bit the other day, where you know the people who either minted board apes or held them from a very early point in time, I was just reflecting and being like, these people are completely crazy, like well, completely well played. I have an, a ridiculous amount of respect and foresight on their part because of what they did by holding, but you have to it's completely mental because there was no precedence to hold an NFT with an animal on it for that length of time, thinking that, okay, this companion drop is going to come and, you know, I'll be able to sell that and make some money off that. Or, oh yeah, the coin will drop. And then I'll be like, that hadn't happened before. So they've set the precedence for all that stuff. And it's just it's completely mental to me that people were able to do that so in a way i don't I, I don't think it's a big deal that there's no information because the game that we seem to be playing doesn't necessarily need to be a logical one it might just be one which is uh one of desire culture and the demonstration of wealth and exclusivity that's a that's a very very interesting take and also going back to the question in terms of regulation i think you know if we if we look at this space right now and if we're going to look at it in the next five years um regulation certainly will increase that's that's for sure that's like so many you know countries and the european union and the us obviously working on many more regulatory frameworks on the one hand. And there's, you know, Gary Vee said in an interview, when you have a space that new and that innovative, you will see both the best and the worst in humans. And I absolutely agree with the take. Um, but I, I, I don't think it will be that easily possible to, you know, kind of regulate all that speculation and information dealing that's going around in, in the same way that it happens with stocks. Like, I, I cannot see a future, maybe I'm completely wrong, where, you know, everyone um, sharing his hypothesis, investment thesis, or just rumors or crazy speculations on Twitter would be uh, held accountable for that um, because um, people would, you know, follow that person and, and make um, a purchase of an NFT based on that. And I don't know, I maybe we will see a future where they are regulating NFT um, project that will have kind of a prospectus that they will issue before the the token sale but this then again if you think about this and then you see you know the jpegs behind that sounds a bit ridiculous but i, I yeah it would be weird and no one would read it anyway so what's the point it, it is indeed and even with the yugoland um, sale the terms and conditions and the animoca brand part and that and everything is super super complex and obviously there's been quite a couple of discussion points on that. What rights do you actually own? And they are apparently a bit different when there is a coda versus if you don't have a coda. And it's still not very clear how um, this plays out. And I know there's been a couple of discussions. Are you actually allowed to trade them on the secondary market? Yes or no? So even with a company that big who has the resources and put in the money to try to find a, a set of terms and conditions that tries to provide additional information and make that more clear, it's still... Um, probably didn't work out to you know to that extent that they hoped it worked um, or it would work out. So while I think that there will be um, more regulation coming over the course of the next years, I don't think that we will be able to reach a um, a level that compares to to the stock market. And I also wouldn't think that it is necessary to do that. Yeah, that's probably reasonable. One thing I did see, though, which is not the first time I've seen this, and I'm pretty sure it's not uh, 
it's not possible to do this is someone made a point about one of the clauses in the license and then I think and I say I think I haven't double checked or done any research that obviously people should check this I think that one of the founders then said oh like that shouldn't be there I'm going to call the lawyer I don't know if you saw that like I'll speak to the lawyer and like we'll get rid of that clause or something and this is not the first time I've seen this in, in the NFT yeah. projects where people sell stuff with terms and conditions attached and then someone just says oh don't worry like we're going to get rid of it after it's like you can't do that <laughs> you 100% can't issue things and then just take them away after um and it also makes me question who why are people not, like a because they'll be paying their lawyers a lot of money 100 yeah. percent. they'll be paying their lawyers a lot of money so why have the lawyers not picked it up and done it as it was supposed to be but b if it's not supposed to be there why hasn't someone in the company read it like is anyone reading the docs the lawyers aren't <laughs> the people in the company well maybe in a way the people in the company are trusting the lawyers to do it as they like but you still have someone in there who's going to read it um so that's the that's one of the things i was thinking but the other big question i wanted to ask was about the ape chain yeah and the hint towards that what did you think about that because that is a big big um it's a big move for you to get involved in that type of infrastructure building what did you think so obviously this is me speculating i had quite a couple of discussions on that and you know thought um thought a bit on that on the one hand you know the gas war yes you could have avoided it there would have been different solutions using a marketplace as nifty gateway to copy that also handled drops like um, x copy and had a massive amount of volume um, coded then from avagotchi on uh, suggested you basically could have mirrored the contract have the nfts on um, layer one and conduct the sale on layer two and then um, basically assign the nfts on layer one to the people so that the land stays on mainnet and it's not on polygon um, you could use a platform such as uh, a premint to um, have such a massive sale going on without having the gas war so the real question is why gas war then was it planned like that so that you know they can hint towards building ape chain but then on the other hand if you think about that that doesn't make too much sense because more than 100 million dollars have been burnt in gas fees and Yuga Labs said that they're going to refund people who missed out and, and refund them on their, um, well, on the gas that they spent. So this, you know, poses the question, was it um, a, a quick reaction to be like, okay, hey, this was a massive, massive drop and maybe we should have um, thought about building an ape chain, which then again doesn't make that much sense, right? Because it's a massive commitment to talk about building your own chain. Um and I think that this certainly is a discussion that has been um, that, that that has took place in at Yuga Labs over the last couple of months. If they go towards the metaverse route and if they build this massive, massive ecosystem, and they will have partner projects, and that they won't rely on the apes only because they wanted you know to expand their metaverse and expand their brand, obviously with all the partnerships that they have that it would make sense to not have that on um, mainnet when it comes to the transaction frequency and the cost of having that. So the question is, are you big enough to build your own chain? And is this the best solution to do that? And it's it's difficult to answer that from an you know, outside um, perspective. Axie Infinity did yeah. they build their own chain. They also built their own chain because they said they are building more games and they wanted to host other games. And if... Yugo Labs thinks that they want to build this ecosystem and be, you know, a platform that other brands can grow into and be able to interact and have that access on the chain, then it might make sense that they wanted to have their own chain. If it would just, just quote unquote, only be limited to, you know, the own metaverse that stays inside their own brand, I don't know if having an own chain is um, a requirement then. Interesting. So you think it might be the case that the brand expands by permitting others to come into the ecosystem? And I guess maybe, I mean, this is pure speculation based on what you just said, but like, 
they've obviously bought the CryptoPunks IP and the MeBits IP. So whether or not they might be able to be integrated into something in this uh, game slash chain, um, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, you know the the biggest the biggest risk, you know, except all the technical things that go on with building your own chain, but just from a communication perspective, is to educate your people and help them uh, being onboarded on the new chain because people are still figuring out how you know Ethereum works, how Mainnet works, and obviously Yugo Labs uh, has a very very high entry point in terms of cost. But if they wanted to build this to be a global brand, to be a global franchise, then you we will see um, several new entry points down the line that will be more accessible for you know the masses to join the the ecosystem. And if you start doing that on mainnet, and then you have to educate your people to move on to your new own native chain, that's a challenge. And I think that is a challenge that many many projects, you know, who are not building on mainnet are currently um, facing. That. 95%, I think it is, of the entire NFT trading volume on Ethereum is happening on, on mainnet and trying to get your people, even like for the biggest projects like Avagachi, uh, to get them to Polygon, despite, you know, bridges and everything being super easy to use, well, poses a massive challenge. And one thing that Yugo Labs doesn't want to run into as an issue is losing that momentum because people are like, no, this is, you know, getting out of hand. This is too complex. So, um if if they build their own chain, they would also, you know, have to focus a lot on on the UI and and UX um, side of it. And of course, they can do that. They have you know the resources and the budget to do that. But I think this would be um, another part of their you know thought train when it comes to the decision where they are headed to in the future. Yeah, I think the I think the sale marks an interesting turning point in the sales of NFTs because on one level, NFT sales are a raise where you raise money for the companies and do cool stuff and up to this point that has been cool stuff like merch real life parties events online experiences so it's been very cultural like the point of holding an NFT has been very cultural and if you hold a particular thing you feel significant as you feel a part of that culture i don't know if the feeling of holding the NFT feels as cool if 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 you think well the reason why I paid into this is to fund a chain and I think that that's it's sort of moving into the territory now where we're sort of funding a real building out of the infrastructure which I don't know I, I guess in, in some sense is completely reasonable because like well if we want to build this bigger and make it better that's what we need to do but it feels like a step away from the real cultural element which we started with all of these purchases last year. Yeah, and it's it's a bit of both, I think. Of course, it is a cultural element. It is, you know, part of being the community. But I also think, you know, if you have a certain PFP, you also feel like kind of an in investor in that company which is, you know, of course, legally speaking, not the correct term to use, but you feel like that. And in, mm. with, with some projects, and especially with Yugo Labs, you get rewarded for that financially in a very, very handsome way. Um, and I think these lines, they start to blur a bit, you know, is it part of a, of the community, of the culture? Is it um, a financial investment that starts to kind of feel like having equity and also being able to showcase, mm. hey, I was the first to invest. Basically, I'm the you know the seed investment of this company because I have the board ape, I have the mutant when because I was a little bit later. Or I have now I have another deed now or another land. So these lines will will get very blurry. And this again goes back to the point that we've been discussing before um, with you know regulation and the challenges that um, regulations are going to face is to actually define you know what an nft is in terms of an asset class and which laws are applicable to that there's i think a still ongoing lawsuit between a collector and a collector based in the uk and nifty gateway um, represented in new york and 
I think they took quite a lot of time in on the UK side to figure out, you know, which customer protection laws are applicable, which asset class is this artwork. It was on NFT, on NFT gateways, it was an artwork, is applicable. And with projects getting more complex and Yugo Labs potentially moving um, to their own chain in the future, these lines will get even more blurry and um, on, on the one hand get more blurry, but on the other hand also, you know, open up so much more room and so many more reasons to get into this ecosystem or in any ecosystem because you could have like completely different backgrounds and reasons to get into that. You want to have the flex, you want to be part of a culture, you want to have access to the privileged information. You treat it as a financial investment. You feel like a mini VC who does that. So yeah, complexity mm. will increase massively. Yeah, I agree. It's um, There are many different reasons to buy the nfts now and I, I guess that i guess those could increase as we go forward um so we spoke speaking of speaking of culture uh artifact who are also who were bought out by nike dropped or finally revealed their monolith after i don't know how long it was <laughs> so long it was too long for me i had two monoliths which i'd bought off the secondary market and I was holding, I was holding, I was holding. I bought two so that I would sell one and hold one. And it just took too long for me. Like, I appreciate I should have held um, and been patient, but it was just so long. Um, but they revealed, and it was really cool what was inside. I don't know if you saw the reveal. I did. So it was like the first crypto kicks, I think they were called, the first Nike digital trainers as well as a vial which is used to customize your crypto kick as well as another monolith you know whose contents are still unknown so i think that was a really cool thing that I, th I think very very immediately very weirdly the the market reacted really negatively mm -hmm. for like for 10 minutes maximum <laughs> where it dropped and then it ramped up again so I think they did pretty well. It's been received very well. And I think my main takeaway with Artifact, I've seen them for a while now and having, I mean, I don't have any monoliths, monoliths, but I have a couple of space pods and loot pods, I think, is that seeing what they did with Clonex and then the pods and then the loot pods and now the, this, they just get the game. Like they understand this game of what NFT holders want. They understand how you know, they understand the time frames of like what we look forward to, how to keep people's interests. And I just, I think they just do a really, really good job of on multiple fronts, on the digital front, but also fusing that with real life stuff. They do a really good job of managing people's expectations and always giving, always giving something unexpected and going over the top. So I thought that was really cool. And I feel like not a lot of big brands, you know, care enough to understand the nft space to that extent i also feel like you mentioned nike i'm going to mention adidas did a pretty good job on that they opened up you know the claiming window for the into the metaverse token that basically allows you yeah, to true. claim a beanie a hoodie and um the tracksuit and initially they planned to have three drops um spread out over the year which would allow you to claim one individual item and then they realized they actually wanted to focus more on what they call, you know, the phase two and the phase three of the drop being the metaverse related content and the tokens um, turning into PFPs, turning into ERC 721 tokens. And then they said, okay, they're going to bundle all of that merch drop together and have it um, distributed in one day. And the claiming window open for that and is still open until I think the 11th of May. And... You know, for me, it was interesting to see how the community will um, react to that. And the best reflection of the community, while it's not the most important thing, but it is the floor price, right? So, um, at first, there was like a discrepancy between like stage one and stage two. Stage two being, you know, already um, with the claimed merge, but now they're like super, super close together. Um, and it's quite interesting to see um, if you bought in before the drop, you would have paid like, 1.8 ETH or something to get that, be able to claim all the merch. 
And now, if you look at the difference in price, I think it's around 0.1 ETH between has merged to be claimed or already has claimed merge. And it shows you how, you know, how much the merge is valued exactly at like 0.1 ETH, which is quite in line with the Adidas pricing if you would buy those (laughs) items individually. And that the major part of it is actually focused on being part of whatever Adidas plans are to um, join and enter the metaverse. And I didn't expect that to see um, such a, such a small, um, you know, difference in floor prices between um, the two stages of the NFT, which ultimately is a reflection on, you know, the community's trust um, uh, towards Adidas to deliver on the metaverse component and actually believing in this space and not being here for, you know, quick merge drop and John, then again, leaving the space, right? Yeah, I think it shows how much of the value of these items are comprised of future imagination, like of of, of future expected value. Yeah. yeah. Like so much of the stuff we're like hoping for something else. And I think because I didn't actually know Adidas had made those changes. I'm not sure. I I wasn't completely sold on their communication, really. I think there was a bit of time where they were struggling with comms. But it's definitely something I think artifacts do really well, where you get a good sense of, maybe because they're more crypto native, right? Like they've been in the space for longer and they know how to do the comms in the Discord. And I think that does matter for this type of stuff. So yeah, I I hope Adidas... uh, is I think that's definitely a good move to bundle the stuff, get the physical stuff out. That physical stuff wasn't enough for people to hold the NFT for the year, right? Like that's not that's not sufficient. So going harder into the uh, metaverse experiences or additional NFTs or profile pictures, I think that's definitely exactly definitely the way to go for them. And this is, as you mentioned, like uh, so so important, you know, to focus on the community's needs, listen to them being you know willing to adapt your product even change it like completely um (laughs) and showing that you care about the space and that you want to learn and also you know think how and you mentioned that how to keep your community engaged and how to keep them wanting to still own the token and this is something that i saw with you know i've been obsessing a bit with um, the house ecosystem and um, Muri being one of the sub-brands, so to say, in this ecosystem over the last um, days and weeks, really. And obviously, this is not, you know, financial advice in, in any way. Um, but I also find it interesting if a project shows that they um, have good strategies, interesting strategies to keep the community engaged and to, you know, keep the holders wanting to hold their tokens, right? And for example, Muri, which is a anime profile picture project that um, did a snapshot for um, Night City, which is their metaverse for a land airdrop. They did a couple of interesting things there. So first of all, the snapshot was just to see who's a holder and um, to basically basically be eligible for the land airdrop. But there's going to be another snapshot um, just before the airdrop, and you need to hold it throughout both of the snapshots. Then, if you just have a land and you don't have your Muri, which is your pro- your PFP, you cannot enter the metaverse without an avatar. And then again, if you have multiple Muris and you get multiple pieces of land, you are able to stack them. Being one Muri rep- or one piece of land represents one floor. And if you have ten, you can merge them together into a skyscraper, which I think will be in a uh, the merging will be deflationary, which then will mm. decrease the total supply of land. And, you know, seeing that train of thought and seeing that someone actually or a team actually thinks about how do I keep my holders engaged besides, you know, uh, financial rewards, of course, because there's like so much more things that you can do. Um, and because everyone knows, you know, after a snapshot um, for a potential airdrop floor prices dump, right? And trying to yeah. um, avoid these kind of situations is... Is something that's that's really important. I think that they um, do a pretty good job at that uh, in a similar way as Artifact Nike and, and Adidas did. 
Yeah, interesting. I do, I'm not super familiar with this project, but I know you mentioned that it's something you've been looking into investing in uh, a reasonable amount. What was it? What do you What do you think was so? Because isn't isn't it's certainly not the same type of household name like the others, unless I'm completely out of the loop, which I might be because I don't trade as much as I used to. So what was it that what was it that was so innovative about it? Or about them that made you that caught your attention basically well, what initially caught my attention was the team um team is i think around 30 persons quite interesting backgrounds ex-netflix ex-apple disney um i think the creative director of kanye west's team who joined them etc and um team you know as we talked about last time is basically what you're betting on you're betting on the persons you're betting on the team and you're betting on the track record and if they've you know been able to execute um, on the things they promised to execute on the past and that's if you don't have a previous record on the blockchain which is transparent for everyone you have to um, well look at the quote-unquote real-life accomplishments that a person had or that the team had and this was you know what got my, my my initial attention to see okay this is a highly accomplished team that got together and um in my analysis, when I when I get into NFT projects, um, I try to understand how much the team understands the community, the NFT ecosystem per se, and how they think about the long-term vision and the long-term incentives to create, build a community and incentivize holders to you know hold on to their assets. Because besides Yuga Labs, all other companies that did an airdrop, I think, or not all other companies and all other NFT projects, but the majority um, had reached or have reached a situation where, you know, the initial asset was worth more than the asset post airdrop plus the airdrop that you received. And Yuga Labs obviously yeah. doesn't run into that issue because they are like such a massive brand and the number one project in the space, but all, most of um, the other projects do face that issue. And you have to think yeah. about, you know, your tokenomics. You have to think about the long-term incentives for holders that are um, non-financial besides, you know, promising to build a community and a brand, but actual mechanisms that make you keep the token because you get an experience because they belong together because the ecosystem is connected and this was what i found to be very fascinating with with house which again is the overarching brand that not only includes the muris um, but also other sub brands that branch into um, digital and real fashion into into furniture um, into into gaming into anime that they try to connect um, these sub brands in, in such a way that they are like mutually beneficial to each other and create a really intricate um, ecosystem and network. And this is something that I find fascinating, not only with that project, with other projects as well, you know, with. Uh, yeah, I think it's really important to, it's like a double, it's a two pronged, well, maybe it's probably more facets, but there's like the brand building side where it's just like pure desire. Like I just want this thing. But then there's got to be some sort of smart incentives at yeah. play to make people do uh, to to hold yeah. right to make sure the things don't lose value. So I think that's really really yeah, important. If, if I had to sum it up, it is those three things: it is the brand and community building, it is the the technical architecture, the you know incentive structure if you wanted to call it like that, and ultimately the team behind the company or behind the NFT project. Yeah, that's a useful summary. I think that's super helpful. And it's funny that, I mean, I, I guess lots of people will hear people talk about community and brand and blah, 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 blah. And, and lots of people will think that NFTs are still, you know, in their infancy and a bit of a joke and think it's just pump and dumps and this and that. But there is a legitimate sort of framework by which people who are successful at trading this stuff analyze it's like an investment thesis, right? Like an investment framework through which you analyze what to put your money into. Um, and it's legit. It's like, it's, they, these are real things, real thought processes that people go through. And 
I think it's super important to take note because um, there's just there's just too much opportunity, as we've said before. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to move towards the final thing now because we're running close to an hour, but we can go over a little bit, I guess. Um, one of the things I mentioned earlier, like I, I got rid of my monolith, monoliths a while ago because I'd started to get concerned. And this is still a concern that persists for me, to be honest. I'd start to get concerned about the macro environment and I'd see lots of people on Twitter getting concerned about the macro environment, the sort of uh, the acceptance that we're going to go into a recession almost certainly in Europe, but also elsewhere. Um, where, where, do you, where do you sit on it? I don't, I don't know. I'm not an expert on the macro stuff. I can, I'm just sort of gauging sentiment what what do you think about it at the moment i mean prior to you know being in crypto my my background is in the world of finance and is in stocks and um i think on average statistically speaking we have um some kind of you know crisis slash recession every every seven years and there have been like so many strong years on the um on the stock market that it's quote unquote, almost time for, you know, a recession to happen. And we have very high levels of inflation currently um, on the on the one hand. On the other hand, if you then again look into crypto and especially NFTs, you know, the NFT ecosystem is still so small that it on the one hand can very it can be influenced very easily by what's, you know, happening in the real world and what um, by the way, institutional investors act and institutional investors who, you know, get into crypto or even get into NFTs is obviously the riskiest part um, of their asset allocation, right? And it's also the first um, investment in their asset allocation that they're, you know, gonna gonna sell if things head into a recession because they don't want to be in the most speculative asset classes in, in case a recession hits. Um, in terms of looking at the, the macro environment and particularly, you know, the high level of, of inflation that we are facing right now, I think that it will be, the inflation will remain raised for, you know, for quite a while, because if you look at inflation, um, historically and what, you know, it helps or not helps contributes to incre- uh, increasing inflation further is, you know, people being afraid of inflation and changing their consumer behavior so you know being afraid it's a it's a vicious cycle of being afraid of an inflation that triggers even higher levels of inflation and we we need some kind of a you know breakout event to leave that um mindset and and get into a um, more used a more normal level of inflation and this certainly is incredibly difficult with the current macroeconomy incredibly difficult with you know what's happening politically with um the um the the yeah the the global um you know environment with with tensions with the war um and i think with all that kind of you know instability um it will be a longer way until we get back into the growth uh, mode into the 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 growth path of the global economy but then on the other side if you look at the global stock market the global stock market ever since has been returning an average seven percent per year despite all of the you know wars crisis recessions that um, occurred over the last decades and i think ultimately it, it only really matters to you as an investor if you're focused on on the short term right if you're a long-term investor and your investment mm. horizon is uh, spans across the next 10 20 30 years and whether that's stocks and you're investing in the global stock market or whether it's your investment thesis that crypto will change the what's already changing obviously the you know financial world and the financial system whether your investment is that nfts are here to stay and that they will collectively change how we you know collect stuff as as human um, beings and attribute value to digital goods then even if the macro in environment is kind of troubling right now one one shouldn't really be you know worried too much about it and trying to keep the focus on the 
on the long um, on the long perspective on the long run yeah in a way I sort of one of the things I wonder is whether we're whether because the ecosystem has become has taken a turn very recently where the entry the barrier to entry has suddenly in the last few months got a lot higher like you can't participate in good drops anymore without thousands of dollars whereas there was you know last year the tradition the average mint would have been like a 0.08 0.07 sometimes less and if i don't remember really even seeing like a 0.1 people would have thought that that was expensive and now like it's not really that entry price point isn't available for top projects so one of the things i was wondering was okay fine we're going to a big broader recession where things get bad for various types of people um but we've also got these ape holders who are completely crazy enough to have held up to this point anyway right like they've just held through all sorts of through through uncertainty and that it's never happened before and so a reasonable assumption of that could be well these people i would hope are playing with money that they are can afford to have locked up and so i wonder whether because the barrier of entry has got higher are people playing with money that they can afford to be locked up in a way that means even if we were to go into a recession and there to be like a broader market meltdown could nfts potentially operate as normal because the people participating in the ecosystem are basically unaffected it's like with the, the previous recession where lots and lots of people did lose their jobs and it was very difficult for lots of people but there's still a segment of society that and actually don't they say like uh, often in the worst times in wealth inequality gets higher right because the people at the top still don't end up losing money they might some of the stocks will go down but in general wealth inequality increases yeah. so i don't know it was one of the things i was thinking like well maybe we can operate as normal if if it, on the assumption that people are playing with money that they can afford to have locked up in these assets because yeah, there's been so much wealth creation here anyway in the last year. Maybe that might be the case. I don't know. If if you look at the 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 start of the pandemic and what stocks have done back in at that time, and obviously there is you know digital companies who've been the big winners of the pandemic, but also looking at um, luxury companies such as LVMH being Louis Vuitton, Moya Hennessy, they had a massive surge in stock price because you know people locked up at home who were wealthy before still remained wealthy and just had more time you know to purchase a ton of stuff um and this also holds true like to a certain extent for the nft space especially because you were talking about the board apes who got like the companion drops who got the um ape coin as an airdrop so who got multiple potential exit points to take at least a bit of profits right that allows them to be comfortable mm. with um not having to sell their main asset, not having to sell their ape or the mutant. And this also holds true for a couple of um, other projects, but I don't think it holds true for people who, you know, have a massive amount of their net worth locked in a single NFT. If you have multiple NFTs, yeah, or if agree. you have multiple NFTs, you know, in the same ecosystem and you had the chance to take profits or you still can take profits and taking profits is a very important, um, you know, part of the game, then you'd probably, you know, be less affected by what's going on on a macro level. And especially if, you know, floors start to dump in terms of dollar prices, um, ETH price tends to counteract that. Um, and I think we, we as a community are moving towards, you know, pricing stuff more natively in ETH than in, in dollars. So I think that there is like a certain, you know, stability. Maybe it's not really the right word to use, but still um, a, a very protected environment from from outside influences, despite being very volatile, if that makes sense. 
yeah to be fair when i'm making these points i think you mean the same it's like this is at the top end of the quality stuff like i think that everything else would get completely wrecked to be yeah, very, very and, clear. And it has been wrecked like, like it, if you look it, at the uh, the floor prices and i know floor prices is not are not the best indicator of a quality of a project but it is you know an indicator we use on a daily basis and if you look at the blue chip projects who who've been increasing in terms of floor prices over the last months. And if you look at the quote-unquote mid-range, who I think lost around 50, 60-ish percent in value on average, um, we're certainly seeing a massive consolidation towards blue-chip projects, yeah. And going back to your point um, with the entry costs being higher and higher, that is true. But what's also increasingly difficult is there are projects that have, you know... um, affordable accessible mint price i think the house modules that i mentioned before started minting at 0.02 so very very cheap in terms of you know the the average mint price but good luck finding that project when it mints like i i got in Mm. at way above an eth so at a 50 or 60x of the mint price um and if you put it like that that again sounds crazy right but um it certainly is becoming increasingly difficult for um, new people to join the space on a limited budget. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting to consider. I think it's really important every now and again to consider this macro environment because as much as we like, you could be as bullish as anyone. And I think we all are on the trend of digital ownership and the trend of people, more and more people wanting to collect NFTs. But if inflation gets out of hand, if certain things happen to the dollar, if, you know, even if the ETH value, certain things go on there, which, you know, people are expecting it to run as we go into the merge, if that gets out of hand, then you could end up losing in ETH terms on your investments. Like there are all sorts of other factors which we need to keep weighing up. Um, so I think it's really important to have that conversation. It is, and, again. you know, asking yourself the question: what your investment horizon is on the assets that you're holding? Is it short term? Is it mid term? Or is it really long term? Are you comfortable with holding that asset over the next couple of years because you believe in the vision, in the team, in the company, in their execution, etc.? And if you don't, and you see a troubled global macro environment, then it might be a good time to take profits, right? Or yeah, re, um, reassess and restructure your portfolio. Indeed, indeed. Okay, legendary. This was a good, good chat. We've gone more than an hour, probably more than we planned, but that was uh, that Absolutely, was good stuff, man. man. Thank you. Thank good you so stuff. much. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up there, and we will catch up again soon. See you next time. Take care, man. See ya.